Jacqueline Van de Geer. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so great having you because uh, I've been a fan of your work for so long, and and we also know each other personally, and and you know we have mutual friends. Uh, we met in Montreal, and I don't actually recall how we met, but you know. I have the idea that somewhere, in, uh, somehow, we were connected on Facebook. Like, you know, sometimes it, that happens to me that I get uh, friendship requests from artists and I love it, you know, and I see their art. I'm like, well, yeah, th that's very nice to let that be surfing by on a daily basis once in a while, you know, how Facebook works. And then I saw a lot of your pictures and I thought like, wow, what a beautiful pictures, what a beautiful universe. And I'm not sure that I think you approached me once for a series of pictures with clay so that the clay would be on the face yeah. and partly on the body and the hands. And then, and then from that also we, we followed each other's work. So I think you also saw some of my work. I'm more in the performative uh, realm at, at that time, at least, you know, like now with the COVID it's, it's another story, but at that time, at least. And, uh, yeah, and then we shared a friendship with Clara, and yeah, for people, yeah, people, people you know, who don't it, know, like it's, it's we just incredible. Yes, yeah, we have a lot of uh, common. That's a, the thing with Montreal, uh, which is where you live now. Is um, right. it is, uh, and I lived there for three years. It's a community of artists, and really, yeah. in the end, almost everybody knows everybody. You know, it's a small community. Uh, Jacqueline, you are. I, 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 call, I call you a performance artist. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think that's accurate. But at the moment, I'm also doing visual arts uh, uh, because I'm in an artist residency now in Saint-Jean-Port-Joli in an artist center called S Nordest. And I have a huge studio, which is amazing. And uh, yeah, whenever I have that, I... I go back a little bit to my visual arts. So I make collages and uh, I picked up photography now. Yeah, and sometimes that just happens, you know, like that I do other things than performance arts. Uh, like I know that in 2016, I was three months in Leipzig in the Pilotenküche. And there I kind of picked up also collage. I wrote a lot, a lot of texts. Uh, I... In the end, I made a paper mache uh, costumes, and eventually, I made with a collaborator who was a very good cineast. You know, like because mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know that's another story. We made a little video, so yeah, there there's a, a friend of mine in Rotterdam that's called himself always an omni artist, and I find that a very nice name. Because, yeah, I'm a performance artist, but sometimes I'm much more in theater. Sometimes I'm much more into movement. Sometimes I'm even using puppetry to make my point or my story or my atmosphere. But, yeah, I think in the end it's all performative. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. conversation I just had actually with... Um, singer musician julie mckinnis who i don't think you've met in montreal uh she mm -hmm. was a cello player and singer for Cirque du Soleil and she also does visual art and so we discussed that artists sometimes you're you're an artist 
you're going to express yeah. yourself with whatever method works best for you. Would yeah. you agree? Yeah, I would agree that. And there were times that I was very, very confused about it and that I really thought that I had to choose something. And uh, yeah, you know, and then I would think like, no, now I'm, I'm, let's say, no, 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 I'm an actor because now I had some roles in small films. So I'm an actor now. And then people would ask me, to direct a play and I would think well I'm not really a director and then they say yeah but that's that's what we like all right I'll do it and then you know and then I thought yeah maybe I'm, I'm a director then and then I would do performances and I would think yeah maybe so I'm very happy with terms like that we have nowadays like uh you know interdisciplinary I I, I like that a lot because uh basically that gives you a kind of freedom and that takes away this little pressure that you actually I put on myself like oh make a choice be an adult make a choice be a professional make a choice you know and I'm like yeah let's not go there let's just allow yourself to to play to discover to research and then whatever medium is calling me I will explore and and sometimes very surprisingly it works for that specific performance or for that specific project like now I'm doing a lot of uh, photographs but I wouldn't call myself a photographer but doing it on a daily basis for this specific project I'm working on I'm working on my own aging process <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, in a few weeks I will be 62. So I'm I, I no, but I see like some wrinkles are never going to go away. I, even if I would spend three hundred dollars for a La Mer uh day cream, they're not going to be away unless I'm going to fill them up with fillers and Botox, which I won't do, like because yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know and, and and i see like you know i can see that i am in in this transformation in the start of a transformation that i'm thinking yeah in 15 years my my body and my face will be very different because yeah you know maybe not the expression and I, it won't be that I, all of a sudden i will get a big nose but no, I'm I'm getting saggy here and there, and yeah, gravity does its work. And sometimes, like you know, my 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 skin won't recover a sunburn anymore. I will be forever having a kind of semi-alcoholic red nose. You know, I have an eternal triangle with my décolleté. It's just that you know, the skin doesn't do that anymore. It's still there for me, but it doesn't do it anymore. I have veins that are blue. And yeah, for instance, when I taught uh, the, the, the children classes, uh, theater classes, they would look at my hands and I have these veins that are really on my hands and they will ask Miss Jackie, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and then I would say, well, that's because Miss Jackie is really getting old now. <laughs> but it is something for for the re for the regular person, aging is already traumatic, right? Like you said, a lot of people do Botox or they do creams yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Well, I use or cream. An, but, oh, yeah. Sure, a lot of women do, uh, even men. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, like... 
for an artist, it's a whole other story, especially people who are actors, people who use their bodies, people who are dancers, like a dancer cannot or typically doesn't continue their career after, I don't know, maybe 40 because their legs and their knees, everything hurts. Um, for you as an artist, what does it feel like to be growing older? Yeah, I must say, I find it very interesting. Uh, in, in a way, I find on a, on a personal level, uh, because with me as an artist, I'm like, yeah, I'm an artist, but I'm not only an artist. So for me, it's always intertwined with other levels of being like, you know, like being Dutch, being an immigrant, being a person of a lower class family, being my own little whatever that 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 center is you know my relationship with people uh encounters all kind of things so i i find aging very very interesting in 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 a sense that um but okay let's let's try to focus it on art that i how do i say that um I find it interesting to see that there are prejudices, and especially in like, of course, in the theater and the, and the film world, when you, and that's also judgmental on my side, but when you generalize it, you, you will see that uh, the older, uh, especially a woman, uh, let's speak gender specific here, uh, gets the, 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 the less important and interesting the roles are, you know, like very often you're the grandma or the mother or very often you're a good person. It's, it's nice to be a good person. I try that on a personal level, but, you know, to, you know, it's like, come on, isn't Lady Macbeth a wonderful part, right? Okay. It's like, because it's so complex, right? But I do think that things are changing a little bit lately. I, I do think that this ageism thing is, amongst other things, in, in transition. So that is very good. But yeah, I I kind of, that that's a kind of a battle, also kind of internal battle that I think, well, I'm not young. So that means that I'm radical in a softer way. I'm still radical much softer than when I was younger and I do recognize that when I'm with younger artists because I do a lot of things with younger artists which is really wonderful younger artists reach out to me which is really wonderful and I guess that's because of my wild side and my not very domesticated side but I also see that there is a softness now growing in me that I think like wow that's interesting that that is that, that is happening now and that is also happening basically kind of in my art that during the years uh, I work a lot of the times in my performances interactive I really try to break a little bit this kind of distance between an artist and, and the spectator or the participants I really try to make a kind of soft environment without being a granola hippie although I love granola hippies <laughs> but yeah no you, come on you know <laughs> no but, but but just to 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 forget a little bit like uh, the last two years I was working for instance on a series performances that was called you are the performance and my goal in those performances was actually to make uh, a, a very safe environment where people 
basically at some point were making the performance and I could leave. And actually one time I did leave and the people were still limbo dancing under their quotes. You know, I, I let them first write quotes about art because I introduced quotes about art made by quite famous artists. And of course, that was a selection, you know, that was a selection like, but for instance, I about like, uh, Tous les grands artistes sont des amateurs by Eric Satie. I love that quote, you know, that's so great. Like, you, you know, that breaks the ice immediately. <laughs> you know, people think, oh, what's that? And then I think, yeah, but you know, the word amateur, it's, it's actually a very honorable name, you know? So, I like to work with that nowadays, and I think that maybe 30 years ago I was much more radical and much more polarized about things. And now I'm, yeah, I'm 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 now this kind of container of memories and and, and experiences, and there are still memories to build and experiences to 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 be lived. You know, don't get me wrong, my life is not over, far from that, but I do realize that I already seen a lot and I've already lived a lot and that I've already worked a lot. And, uh, and, and that feeds my practice actually at this moment. Also. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, and, and I want to talk a little bit about your, your becoming an artist when you were younger and, and, and even just realizing it's an interesting time in my own life right now because I actually I lost my job, my full time day job. Yeah, a few weeks ago. yes, yeah, yeah. And it put everything into question, right? My whole identity, who I am, what I want to do with my life, things like yeah. that. And one of the things I always ask my my guests who are artists is whether or not they had uh, a family that was welcoming to their their arts, who supported them to become artists because I did not, uh, you know, my family was not, was very traditional, you know, of working class and they really wanted me to be happy and to have a job, but they never supported uh, any artistic en endeavors. So I'm curious to know if you were in a position where your family supported you or not. Yeah. You know, that that's quite a nuanced story for me. I'm as well from a working class, uh, uh, environment and I do notice that actually nowadays a lot of artists especially young artists there's not many people that are from a working class and I I really that that pains me you know I think there's there's a lot of work to be done there to be honest I I really think that uh, if we're talking about change that is very very often class is very very often uh, a very underestimated uh emancipational uh, process anyway that being said i'm from a working class uh, family and uh, that also has its advantages because that keeps you very grounded and uh, keeps you when i say you i mean me of course uh very very real in a certain kind of way, you know, like I also like to simplify uh, sometimes things, not to make it simpleton, but just like, for instance, all the phrasing and all the words in the arts, I, I really saw that changing. I'm like, ugh, you know, like seriously, why, why would you say things so complicated when you can interchange them by very simple wording that also can be very beautiful, by the way. 
Anyway, that being said, going back to your question, sorry about that, eh? but you know me, I'm a tree with many branches and you really have to get me. Okay, Jackie, the question, and I will totally appreciate that. But like my, my parents loved art, but like my father was a member of a book club because that allowed him to buy a book for a reasonable price every month and he was very very proud to to build a library you know and my parents took me to uh walt disney movies my parents took me to the museum from time to time but that didn't really meant that they wanted me to become an artist because that is very uncertain and especially for that time frame, I'm from 58. My parents were growing up during the Second World War. My grandparents were struggling uh, with shitty jobs. I'm sorry to say, you know, like really shitty jobs, you know, like uh, in the harbor of Rotterdam, you know, like carrying bags of grain eight hours a day. It's a shitty job, an underpaid, yeah. you know? So they yeah. came from crisis. So they had in mind, I would study and then ideally something like history or something like that and then become a teacher. And that was artistic enough. So no, they weren't happy. No, they weren't. And and my grandmother from my dad's side, she was really very concerned about, yeah, but when you're going to do theater or dance, they're all prostitutes. And of course, in her days, it was often like that, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. And then the whole family, then I did art school and then I did some things. And yeah, I, I must say that is difficult because you're kind of, I was kind of, you know, spreading my wings, going to other layers other levels of life, meeting people from other backgrounds, with richer parents, or middle-class parents, people that already knew how to eat with a fork and a knife, you know, all that kind of thing. And, uh, and yeah, my family was a little bit like, where is she going? And why doesn't she does just stay with us and, and be normal and, and have a normal job and, and marry? Why isn't she married? Why doesn't she have a family? What is she doing? What is this art? She's not on the television. I don't see her in the publicity. And then, thank God, I got a little part in a movie. And that movie <laughs> was sent on the television. And that really changed everything. Then it was okay. Wow. So it, it, it literally yeah. took that uh, amount of time. Yeah. And what, I mean, how did you make a living? That's the question, I think, for people who, you know, who didn't really have a lot of support growing up to be artists, you're always scared of hitting rock bottom. You're always scared of not having anything. Did you just fight off that fear? Or like, no, how did you deal with that? I've never been, I've never been, uh, no, I've never been, uh, no. I've never I, been scared no, of no, insecurity. Never, and I never considered myself uh, poor, even though when I look back, I'm like, I was very poor, but I never considered myself poor. But it's just, I think that maybe that's, uh, maybe, I'm not sure, I don't, but maybe I make big mistake and you get like lots of comments like, this woman, she's judging the <laughs> North American culture. But you know, you have to realize I, I, I was growing up in the Netherlands 
I was growing up uh, by 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 a family that that knew even though they didn't have a lot of money how to use money which is really a great asset I must say and uh, you know like just doing things in the sale or having you know groceries from from the season and you know and and always being just happy that you have food you have food and a roof what more do you need right Right. Like uh, yeah, yeah, on the pyramid of Maslow, actually, art is not the top. I'm sorry, folks. I think art is important. Don't get me wrong. But on that pyramid, you know, it's not the first thing. It's not the second thing. It's not even the third and the fourth thing that you need to kind of survive. And of course, we don't want to stay in survival mode. But nevertheless, it taught me something. And I'm very happy with that because it taught me that I can do a lot with almost nothing which is really a, a good talent, you know, it's it's really good. And then also, I must say, I was lucky enough to be in a school system in the Netherlands when the Netherlands were still very rich. So basically, I did two studies. I did art academy in Rotterdam and I did theater school in Amsterdam. And there, you know, I didn't have to pay back. That is... Wait, of was the that, that, that school free? It was not free. They lended you the money to to go to the school because your parents were from a low income. But then basically after the schools, they implied a kind of um, code and they said, you know what? We said we lended it to you without interest, but basically now it's fine. You don't have to pay it back. That was, of course, like, that is amazing. That has changed big time. It's not like that anymore, you know, but yeah, that was. And then basically after the school, I, I, yeah, social, social security system was still very good. So I, I would get money from the government, but at the same time I could do pay unpaid projects but that gave me a lot of experience and I must say also when I was immigrating in Canada the first five six years it, it wasn't very great you know I, I I lived on of my savings for a part you know and then an other part I could earn money but yeah there you know it paid off to have been brought up with like I don't need much you know then I will then I will just eat rice and some vegetables and maybe an egg. And that's nice too, you know, that kind of thing. And there also I did a lot of things like what people would say for free. But at the same time, I thought I got to know people and people got to know me. And that is very important. That has been very important for me because I remember after uh, in my third year, I think, second or third year of my immigration, I, I did uh, a performance for uh, a fundraiser for uh, street artists and clowns, for crying out loud, you know. They, they, they asked me to be part of that. That's so nice, you know, because you do things and people think, oh, it's a pleasurable person. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to do something. And, and yeah, I don't know. I wasn't thinking very right in my brain, huh, Julie. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to lie on a table. And then with etherical music, I will have this 
purple, deep purple mauve uh, velvet on me that, that with lighting or soft lighting will shine and reflect. And then I'm going to tremble. And then it will be as if I'm levitating. I will put on my arms and my feet. And it was really beautiful. A very hysterical, but it was a fundraiser for clowns and people. <laughs> you so, went all the way. <laughs> so I was lying backstage already on the table. And then, you know, and then the number before me was a clown's number. And the people were laughing. Laughing, laughing, they were all like, ah, 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 ah. and I was like <laughs> lying there and thinking, I'm not sure if, if what I chose to do here <laughs> is such a good idea, but yeah, what can I do? And before I knew it, all of a sudden, you know, you feel that the people are lifting up the table, and I thought, well, up I go. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then it was dark, and then this beautiful Greek solemn music started and, and I could hear some people saying Tabernak, what's that? <laughs> and I was thinking yeah you know I don't know but I thought by myself should I change it and then I thought no I can't change it it's this is what I have to do so I started to tremble and I did this number and then you know it was 10 minutes of trembling and levitating and then slowly the veil would you know it was all very etheric but I got them I got them so after two three minutes the people kind of hopped over in my sphere but now it's coming the next day I get an email and it's from a theater company that I greatly admired and they said we saw you yesterday it was beautiful we have a grant for uh, La Chapelle. Uh, it's it's a show uh, about Marguerite Duras, but we're going to do it very, uh, very chappy, very collage, very, uh, you know, alternative. And uh, yeah, we, we would like you to join us. And uh, this is the salary. Do you think it's enough for you? I started crying on the spot behind my oh, computer. Yeah. I thought like, wow, man, first of all, the money was much more than I ever earned in Canada. And yeah, then the most important thing was for me to do something with this group of people. And then on top of that, it was inspired by the text of Marguerite Duras, which I'm really a fan. I love that, you know, that it's very simple language, but multi-layered. So just to say that sometimes you don't know, you know, sometimes it's not about money. Sometimes it's not about wording. Sometimes it's just being at the right time, on the right place, and doing your thing. Because trust me, the first minutes that I was trembling under that cloth, I was thinking, why am I doing this? <laughs> why, why, why? <laughs> it's, you know, but at the same time, uh, Jacqueline, it's interesting because you chose to go to Montreal. And yep. Montreal in Canada is a city that... For people who have never lived there, I mean, a lot of people have visited Montreal, but you don't really get a good sense for it unless you live there. But Montreal and Quebec in particular are very supportive of artists, yeah. are very supportive of the arts in general. They throw a ton of money into it. Maybe not as much these days, but they definitely have much more than any other Canadian city. I'm curious... Why did you go to Montreal? Why not New York City, which is would have been probably another option for you? Well, I must say, I, I like New York City is a very interesting city, of course. You know, like well, pro-COVID, I, I have no idea how, how it is now, you know, like, but let's not get there. 
But what I I see in New York City is that there is a kind of uh, level of humanity that is lacking for me there. I see these people are struggling uh, to pay the rent. I see that there's yeah, there's a hierarchy between people with money, without money, and so on and so forth. And uh, even though I love New York City's, uh, like, for instance, I love the Flux Factory, beautiful initiative uh, by people that, you know, try to make an alternative space and there are many spaces like that but it, it it's 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 quite it's it's a it's a big big chunk to digest i find and i come from a small city in a small country so uh what i liked about montreal the first time that i got there and of course it was on invitation so that is nice you have a host and it was in the summer ha 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 so yeah <laughs> oh, very nice you know but what i like is it's um it was not only artistic but it was also like i, I find the quality of living is really high it's not very costly for a big city uh, it's even though maybe some people will disagree with me, but for me coming from Europe, I find Montreal a very, very safe city, especially for women. I, I seldom feel unsafe. It's, sometimes things happen, but it's it's very seldom. And uh, yeah, and, and of course the amount of art was overwhelming, but what I loved, especially also from Montreal, is that there is a niche for every kind of art. There is a niche for every kind of art. You can go to the big Place des Arts, you can go to the very big Bell Center, and you can put yourself in a living room with some people. And there's oh, also I... art. And, 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 and it is not snobbish in that extent in Montreal. Yeah. It's also not snobbish. Like uh, in the Netherlands, uh, when you say you're an artist, it's like, oh, do you get subvention? Do you get paid? And I'm like, that's a very weird first question <laughs> to ask. <laughs> like, I don't, I, do I, I, do I look very skinny? Do I look like, I don't know, you know, like for me, of course, it's, it's important to be paid. Don't get me wrong. And I'm happy to get be paid more and more and more, <laughs> but <laughs> No, no, and it's. I'm happy that I'm here in a paid residency for crying out loud. It's amazing, you know? But that doesn't mean that I'm going to value myself less during the times that maybe that's not the case because it's always a kind of a wave, you know? It's like tides. It's it's like that. That that, that is the game of the arts, you know? Like, yeah. You kind of have to love that and, and handle that with elegance to to keep going because otherwise why you know it's not nine to five it's not yeah it's it's interesting as as an artist like myself who is used to the nine to five right, right. Uh, the idea for me is is absolutely terrifying but I think you know the more I get to know people like you, the more I, I spend more time thinking about, mm. or perhaps the more I spend time not thinking about it, I the more I find it is becoming more and more acceptable. The idea of just 
going with the flow of just, you know, embracing the unknown. I think that's something that needs to, um, when you're not born with, with that kind of natural, you know, nonchalance, like you are, it's something that takes some time, right. To settle in. Yeah. But I wasn't born with this kind of nonchalance, but I think that is uh, one of the things that my personal aging process has, uh, has provided me with is that at some point uh, I have become much more easygoing with it and at some point also I I had to embrace it because otherwise you can't go on like that you know but for sure when I was younger I was uh, yeah much more yeah nervous not so much about money maybe because the system in the Netherlands was so good and I wasn't used to a lot of money anyway so you know that helps you know if if I, I I guess when you're born in rich family and then yeah yeah then you kind of make a, a jump into an abyss of like Whoa. but yeah if if you're not born that you always have to drink the best espresso to be content <laughs> Just mm-hmm. saying, you know. No, but that exists, you know. There are people yeah. that are very upset with that. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm so happy. I'm not obsessed with that. I like a good espresso. Don't get me wrong. But if I don't have it and I have a just a, a, a black filter coffee, I'm not so happy. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't make much, you know, a difference in the quality of living for me. But self-esteem that has grown and also uh, like, you know, when I was younger, I, I really tried to make art that, that looked like other artists, kind of like to prove to everybody, but probably to prove the most to myself that I was an artist, right? So, yeah, you know, like, and, um, yeah, and I was also much more into, uh, yeah, competition, you know, that somebody had, had, had an event or something, and I was thinking by myself, why don't I have that? Instead of thinking, oh, that's great, I'm going to go, you know, which is much more has much more become my attitude because my attitude now is like there's space for everybody and there's space for every kind of art and uh, you don't have to be world famous to prove to people that you are an artist doesn't matter even if nobody thinks you're an artist like look at at, at, at the what was this beautiful what was his name again Darcy or something did this guy in Chicago that had such a unhappy youth you know his mother died when he when his sister was born and then his dad gave him and his sister after a few years away to an orphanage and then uh, what's his name again Darger Henry Darger that's it you know and 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 and, and that guy was cleaning hosp- hospital rooms most of his life, he he rented one room. He was a great artist. He made thousands and thousands and thousands of drawings, beautiful drawings, crazy collages. Wrote a big book about those young girls that were saving other girls, and that was all kind of stemming from his terrible childhood. It was amazing. And then he ended up in the hospital and he said to his landlord, like, yeah, you know, like, like, throw everything away. 
And then they went in this room and they discovered everything. And now it's in in a museum in Chicago and it, it's worth lots of money. And, uh, you know, it's outsider art, like they call it. I saw that museum and I must say, wow. Tremendous. Which I hate that term. I have to admit, I hate the term outsider art. Oh, Just I don't care. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, eh, dude's an artist, you know? <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's one of those uh, she-she kind of terms that, that they need it, to put, right? No, I don't think so. I think I I, I, I would be proud to be an outsider artist. <laughs> that, <laughs> I mean, that's the rebel in you. Yeah, it's a rebellious <laughs> name and it's, it's a kind of, and I'm like, and, and also like, yeah, when you're outside the system, there yeah. is an authenticity. Amen. Hallelujah. You know? Right, I, right. I, 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 you know, you, you start to sing the gospel there in that museum. It, it, it's, it's, you know, it's <laughs> incredible. No, the thing that I find very, very uh, disturbing sometimes, but I don't know if that happens here, but I know that it happened in Rotterdam and I had many discussions about it. Uh, back in the days, there was a, a, an art center for people with like a mental disability and very, very stunning art. Very, most of the time I thought the colors, the composition, uh, the way very inhibited uh, drawing and, 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 and the energy that splashed. I, I really, and then there were people that were from my art academy and said, well, that, that's not art because an artist, they were conscious. And, and then I, and then of course I felt a loser because I thought to myself, I'm not working conscious. Not really. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, Lordy, you know, like for years <laughs> I thought like, Oh, I better say yes and amen because otherwise they will they will find out that I'm a, I'm a cheat, you know. And now I'm also embracing that that I think yeah, there's artists that are very conscious and they have a concept and they're conceptual artists, you know, like outsider art, you have conceptual artists, you know. And I'm more like an intuitive artist, and that's not so much abracadabra, by the way. That doesn't mean that I'm totally like in like a Zen mode and say, ooh, I touch my aura. No, but it, I, I, of course, I have a kind of an idea or a kind of an interest. For me, it's very often it's an interest that becomes an obsession, and then the obsession becomes something else, and it goes away in a direction that I never thought it would go. Like, for instance, here, I thought, oh, I'll probably make videos about my older hands and my wrinkles and my this and my that. And I might still do that because I promised it in my application, you know, and it's still interesting. Don't get me wrong, but I'm actually now working on personas, all the personas that I have lived until in a few weeks, I will be 62. And I'm pretty sure that everybody in a way lives personas. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that is something that I think everybody can relate to. Yeah. That's depending on your life experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I never thought that beforehand, you know? I wanted to ask you about how your process works. You, you spoke uh, about how you get obsessed, you get interested in something, you become obsessed with it. And I find that that's the exact same thing for me where something captures, captivates my 
my interest. Mm -hmm. I chase after it, you know, like a dog chasing after a squirrel. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. eventually with time, I lose interest and then something else comes along. Do you find that that's how it works for you? Or do you find yourself sometimes trying to manufacture ideas? It's, it's an interesting question. Like sometimes I, I get this obsession and then through the obsession, I get to a point that I think, okay, so this is what I wanted to talk about or work with, and I can finish it. Sometimes I'm in an obsession, and it's nice for a while, and then I'm thinking, yeah, but it just stays an obsession. And then it kind of starts to bore me a little bit, and then I put it aside, and I think, well, that was a nice exercise, researching this and that. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I'm, I'm very easy with that. Maybe much too easy. Right. Who knows? You know, but I'm very easy with that because I'm like, well, yeah, you know, like that that happens. That, that That's kind of normal. You know, that's not everything can become complete. Or I, I just accept that. I embrace that. And sometimes I do manufacture things. And that very often is happening when there is a kind of a time frame. So there's a kind of a, a pressure uh, of doing something within a time frame and you promised to do it there and there. And then I manufacture it. But then basically when I perform it, I have my manufactured skelet, skeleton, skeleton, not skeleton, skeleton. Mm-hmm. And then basically by, yeah, that's of course very pro-COVID, basically by how the audience or the participants, as I prefer to call them, breathe with you, I can put some other flesh and bones and and other color of eyes that I thought that skeleton needed. And then basically after the performance, I'm like, oh, that was kind of nice. Oh, so that was that about. But I then then I, I, I yeah then I work with a structure, right? It's manufactured. That, that's a man. But you know I'm not against that actually. You know I think you need a, a structure, but at the same time, yeah, also a little bit. You know, like okay, you have a structure, but how you're going to treat that structure, or you know, yeah, I don't know. If I feel that my prologue is going to be endless of a performance and the middle is very short and I feel just at that moment, that's it. I can still have my 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 line through, you know. But yeah, I follow that. And of course, because of the participants uh, have some say in my performances very often. I work like that. Yeah. I cannot manufacture a too tight corset. That's that's not possible. Yeah. And I have to accept everything that comes from 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 the participants because otherwise why wouldn't why would you invite them to participate and then say no? You know that <laughs> yeah. What's it like for yeah. you right now because you're somebody who feeds off other people. You are someone like you said you always invite people to participate in your creation during your performance yeah what's it like for you now well I must say at the moment uh it's it's kind of fun because I work a lot on my own and uh and and but I must say of course I have this 
great studio and uh, and uh, yeah you know i don't have to worry about money for two months and then i can do whatever i want so uh, i'm a bit self-centered i'm making these selfies as all those personas and you know that's kind of cool but sometimes i post them on facebook and then it's, of course it's very nice that you get a lot of likes and that kind of thing so you're still feeding off of you know like a kind of resonance but uh yeah the start of the COVID, I found that very difficult, and uh, I, I feverish wrote uh, a play, um, my remake of uh, Three Sisters uh, by Chekhov, and uh, yeah, I wrote a lot of things, um, and then I kind of discovered, uh, you know, networks from all over the world, people that asked for little videos, people that asked for little performances. And that was kind of fun, I thought, to be connected with like a Turkish community or a community in New York or a community in Chicago or a community in in Norway, you know, and, and do things. And it also opened me up because I'm not very technical, but actually I'm I'm less and less afraid to make videos. I'm less and less afraid to make pictures. I'm less and less afraid to allow technology uh, to come in it's not grand shows you know it's still very homemade but i'm like that's fine like you know i'm, I'm very easy going with myself my <laughs> and, and i mean hey you're recording a podcast now so i mean yeah you know so you know? i'm allowing myself to to yeah to discover that and basically my last uh, collaboration was with uh, a group of young people complocators and we made a group exhibition and uh, we worked for quite a while on that and my idea was actually to make a four to five hour long live performance and it was all about a suitcase that I found at a flea market in Brussels in December 2019, when I was visiting my mother, I also escaped for a few days to Brussels. And uh, yeah, that suitcase was actually at the garbage bin, so not for sale. And I opened it, I, I was curious, and there were all kinds of artifacts and all kinds of program books and pictures and records and postcards. And I was going through them and I thought, my God, those are the leftovers of a life. Those are the things that people didn't even want to sell anymore. And that made me think, I thought, my God, I have also so much stuff. What's going on? And it's so important for me, you know, the stuff is so important for me, right? Yeah. But yeah, when you're not there anymore, it's not important at all anymore. It can just go there. And then I wondered, like, I wonder who this person was. And then I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to take a little bit of it, not the whole suitcase, because you know you can't do that anymore. And that would also be a little bit too dark, I found, but just a little bit. And I brought it uh, with me to Montreal. And then I thought, oh, I would actually make, like to, you know, expose these items. And I would like to make a performance where I'm playing the records and showing the postcards, but I'm inventing and reinventing all the time in a loop possible lives of this person because I have this freedom, right? The items are there. Right. But that, of course, couldn't be materialized by the COVID. 
So then I thought, okay, I wrote some monologues. I'm going to put them with the items. And then I thought, well, maybe it's nice to have a typewriter and ask people with like the gel to type also and to add. And so that was a nice idea. And that actually happened. And it wasn't people, I think people just wanted to, to type <laughs> on an electric typewriter. Which course. is fun, by the way, you know. But anyway, no, no, but people contributed. But then I thought it's not enough. And then I thought, well, I wrote 10 possible lives. But then I thought, well, maybe I can make a loop in a video and then I recorded it myself with my computer and I for the first time I considered iMovie I always thought that would be much too difficult for me and I thought oh actually it's very easy and I had a lot of fun with that and then one of the persons of the exhibition he's a photographer very good photographer he said well you know I uh, I will record you because I don't know. So he, he recorded me. And I must say, it looked much more slick. Of course, you know, the lighting was good and, and the voice was better and all that kind of things. And uh, I, I and I got good responses on that, basically. And I thought, it, it's still interactive, I thought, because I still invite the people to write monologues. And, right. and yeah, and then the three persons they're talking about their lives and their very random lives, you know, and, and I got really heartwarming uh, feedback on that, that people said, oh, it's so nice because you look ridiculous because I had like wigs and one time I have black wig with a black beard and a black mustache and I'm, I'm wearing a man's shirt, but I'm not a man. It's, it's very obvious. But the moment he starts to talk after two, three minutes, it's weird you, you forget about it. You think, oh, that's a real person. Right. So, yeah, that, that was fun for me to do that. And then I thought, oh, actually, I like video. It, there's possibilities there. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. getting into te technology when you're not used to it is, um, it can be intimidating. But yeah. like you said, the minute you start to actually play with it, you, you lose the fear, you know? It's like... Yeah. You know, starting podcasting, for example, was absolutely terrifying because I knew nothing about the equipment whatsoever. I was like Facebooking, you know, like, yeah, yeah. does anybody know how to use a mic? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And there you go. And, and and you do it so well, you know, and I, yeah, yeah I, I, I love the, 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 the emission, c'est quoi, the emission in English with, with, uh, with Clara episode. Yeah, episode. Yeah, it's, it's really fun, <laughs> you know. Thank you. So, yeah, no, no, it, it, I must say in that extent, Strangely enough, this whole isolation thing made me realize like, well, you know, if I cannot see the people, I have to see the people in another way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we don't have much, much time left, but mm. I have to say, uh, Jacqueline, is that you are somebody that, like, I know a lot of people in the arts and, you know, a lot of people have had to build walls around them, you know, for, for various reasons, because they worked in, in tough industries or whatever, mm, but you're yeah. somebody that I have never known to have a wall around you. You're the same Jackie, you know, in, in essence, I mean, right. of course you've evolved, but in essence, you're the same person you give yourself to people, even people you don't know, I find, uh, openly. 
you just uh, yeah. is that is that a skill that you've acquired? Is that something that you've just always been that way, or do you actually no, have no, a wall? No, I've I've been very very shy when I was seventeen, like until my twenty second. I was very very shy, and uh, and for sure I I've had a wall around me, and I can have layers in life that sometimes I will have a wall around me too. You know that you think semi protect yourself or whatever. But I think also with aging and developing and getting more self-esteem and getting to know yourself a bit better and getting to know, therefore, also what you're interested in and what your calling is. Like, because I really think I have a kind of a calling to reach out to people in, in performances and I have a kind of a calling to... It gives me much a lot of joy. It gives me a lot of joy, you know, kind of serious fun to to break walls and for me that's also a political act even though maybe other people will think well no that's not politics but i find it a political act to to break down walls to break down this barrier of not daring to speak or you know that not not daring to act or not daring to be there simply together with each other i, I find it that's for me that's the radical softness that I like to to expose, you know, and and other people do it much more radical and much more politicized, and that's also very valuable, you know, like because I think it can all exist next to each other, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. So I have to wrap this up. Um, yeah, I'm sure nice. it's, it was it Great was beautiful. Questions. Great. Great <laughs> Thank questions. you. Yeah. Uh, if people people who don't know you uh, wanted to learn more about your work or maybe watch it online, is there a way for them to see any of your performances? Or do you have a website or a Twitter a account web- or anything? I, I I have a website. I have to update it. Oh lordy, well I'll do that after my residency. Uh, I got this website thanks to the wonderful support of the Montreal Art Interculturals because at some point Michael Topping said to me, you need a website. Why don't you apply for a mentorship for a website? Why don't you? Don't you? Don't you? Don't you? Don't you? I thought, okay, I hear you, hear you, hear you, hear you. And uh, so so I have a website. Uh, I'm, I'm not very good with documentation. I, I, I have to... You know, admit I'm not good with that. You know, I'm not from a ge- generation either that documented everything. I know it's important. Uh, the website most of the time is pictures that people generously took, sometimes snippets of performances. But in that extent, I must say I'm really a live performance artist. Now, of course, it's going to change a little bit because I'm going to do more and more videos, but I don't know how to, but maybe we, on the private session we could talk about it because you're very savvy with that kind of things. Because it's true, you know, and, and it's, it's, I, I don't want to sound indifferent because I do know that documentation is very important. My heart is pounding, but it's, it's definitely <laughs> radical to say, but it's not my number one interest. Yeah. No, I mean that makes sense. Don't worry yeah. about it. I, I hear this a lot from a lot of artists. Don't worry about it. You're you're not um you're not actually very different from a lot of the artists I've even interviewed for the show where I had not much to put 
in terms of social media or whatever. And that's okay. Because, you know, like you said, you're a live performer. If they happen to be in Montreal, they can come and see you perform once COVID is done. Or And you travel a lot around the world and you yeah, do shows around the world. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah that was also before. The, well, yeah, of course. Next, <laughs> next year in October, I will be having a, an exhibition and performance slash in Leipzig in Germany. Okay. Well, fingers crossed that it, that still materializes because we don't know, you know. So, so that, that's already something. Yeah, I love to travel, and especially for my interactive work, it's so nice because it 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 really kind of teaches you to to be very sensitive on what is happening mm-hmm. because every culture, every country. Is different. Like even like I come from Holland, you would say, "Wow, that's not so different of North America," but that's not true. And even yeah. you know, in in North America, it's such a big thing. You know, like Quebecers are probably the same, but slightly different than people of Nova Scotia. Or you know, like there's always this little fine tuning. What I find so interesting about humans, you know, how they define themselves. It's for sure. Yeah, Yum. I think it's going to be, uh, all I got to say is I, I would love to have you on the show again, because we can even oh, talk about those differences you. at great length. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but Boy. anyway, uh, Jacqueline van de Geer, thank you. thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a very special episode and uh, it meant a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you.